0: On September 29th, 2013, Breaking Bad aired its final episode, cementing itself as one of the most popular and critically successful shows in television history. It wasn't long after when the series creator Vince Gilligan teamed up with producer Peter Gould to continue the franchise by way of a spin-off series that would tell the story of the one, the only, criminal criminal lawyer, Saul Goodman. To say he had big shoes to fill is an understatement to end all understatements. Gilligan and Gould were up to the task, though, crafting a simmering character study as depraved, delectable, and downright engrossing as a food court cinnamon roll. So on this episode of Scriptor Screen, there's only one thing to do. Better call Saul! Welcome, oh. one and all, to the One uh, Eight Hundred Scriptor Screen Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher oh. Kitchen Esquire, alongside my amazing co-host, uh, Zach Strackman, paralegal extraordinaire. That's me,
1: Zach. How are you today? What's on the docket? Well, today? Uh, I got a, I got a. Uh... Public masturbator, uh, who I gotta, I gotta get out of prison. <laughs> and besides, I, I'm gonna need you to call. I'm gonna need you to use my, uh, my official title. Uh, I ain't slipping, Jimmy. I'm, I'm, I'm cracking, Zach. Cracking, Zach. Cracking, Zach. I don't. So that could be referenced to several things. I fall down hmm. and crack my back, and then I sue. <laughs> I threaten to sue, and they give me money to shut me up.
0: I uh, d- there should be a disclaimer here. I am not actually an attorney or and a I, lawyer, and I and am nor do a, I have a JD, and I'm not bar certified. I'm none of those things. Then
1: I this is a character. Am not a paralegal, probably.
0: <laughs> Welcome <laughs> I'm a, back I'm a to something.
1: You're a, a pain
0: in my ass, more like it. Uh oh! Don't you dare interrupt me next time I'm doing a bit for the show, Zach. I don't know a bit you're doing anymore. I'm confused. <laughs> Welcome back to Scripture Screen, your number one source uh, for For, Vince Gilligan fangirls.
1: uh, I was going to say for definitely not giving you legal advice.
0: Don't don't quote me. Yeah, no. A hundred thousand percent. Yeah, we don't do that here. I could give like advice, not legal advice. I could give you legal advice. I wouldn't advise you to legally take it. You You put a dollar in
1: my pocket. That's called a retainer. And I won't say anything to the cops.
0: Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like I might look the other way while you you do something. You can find Scripture Screen on all your wonderful favorite platforms, or on our website, scripturescreen.com, or Anchor.fm forward slash scriptorscreen. Screen. Past, present, future episodes will be available for your ears, listening pleasures. Uh, maybe one day your uh, visual pleasures. We will Ooh. see. I'm sure there's enough visual, visually pleasing content out there for now. Uh, So we'll just stick it in your eardrums and you'll take it.
1: Oh, don't, don't talk. Don't, don't talk about sticking it anywhere.
0: Oh God. That was, yeah, that was fun. Um, So we're back on social media. God scripture screen. Leave us a comment, share us with your friends. uh, Let them know that
1: we're not sticking it anywhere. Have I ever mentioned how um, professional we are? As podcast podcast hosts, maybe we
0: maybe we need to go back to the the whole censor self censorship because mm. I, I it it
1: turned out that it was probably our saving grace and <laughs> and now no, if anything we're, we're we're doing the right thing by just chasing the chasing it down becoming becoming even more morally reprehensible uh, until we hit a point that it actively hurts the the ones we love, and then we have to go back and make amends. That's how the heroes do it, and that's how we're gonna do it. Yeah, some people don't like that. They don't like the whole walk of shame stuff. Mm, well, agree
0: to disagree. Yeah, you know it didn't work out so much in the the Game of Thrones verse. Hey, speaking of the Game of Thrones verse, Zach. We
1: are in somewhat of a renaissance of television right now. Oh, it is a it is an exciting time to be <laughs> it's television. A time to own a TV
0: and a, <laughs> and
1: several streaming subscriptions. Let's see, list them off, list them
0: off. Okay. So in like the last in this month in the, the the August of 2022, the, the year em. of our Lord, um to, Tell we are back in the world of George R.R. R. Martin the first episode of House of Dragon has aired. Tell them. The first episode of She-Hulk has aired on Disney Plus. Tell them. We are having several, several programs shown in theaters next week, That's starting right. with the first two episodes of The Rings of Power, and and then and they air next week.
1: Like, I'm I'm so effing excited. Can, so. I can't tell you how hard I am right now. Uh, <laughs> I saw an article. It's like, hey, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Powers coming to theaters for the first two episodes. And I said, excuse me? I have another reason to go to the theater for Lord of the Rings. Oh, but that's
0: not the only reason why you should be going back to the theater, Zach. Ahead of the Andor premiere, they're re-releasing Rogue One into theaters. Oh my god. They're also re-releasing Spider-Man No Way Home into theaters with With brand new footage. 11 more minutes.
1: They're also re-releasing Avatar. I saw this to get people psyched for Return of the Jungleman. I don't don't know if they know this, but... We here at Scripture Screen
0: are ahead of the psych for Return of the Jungleman. We are the psych. Yes. The jungleman will be psyched. Oh we're we're thrilled. We I'm are cautiously
1: optimistic. I don't know if we're thrilled. You know, but, I think it'll I think it'll it'll at least be good. Yeah. It'll like what it, the hell is happening? It might even be great. It, but it, um it just might be. But yeah, I don't know. On top I don't know about you, but that, I've also
0: been watching like a lot of good TV
1: myself. I don't like there's a oh, lot of things happening. For sure, for sure. Um uh for example, Better Call Saul literally just ended uh mm-hmm. and we'll get into that but whew, what an ending. Oh my god. And uh, I, I
0: literally just, just caught up on this whole last season in the last month.
1: I just went I just went to the theaters. I saw the new Dragon Ball film. It was great. Apparently, it beat out uh, an Idris Elba film. Yeah, it beat out that movie Beast about Idris Elba fighting a lion. That sounds fun. It is. It is now the um, the highest opening weekend of an anime film since <laughs> the original Pokemon movie. Oh, yeah, I saw that one.
0: I that, learned it on VHS. Yeah.
1: You know, it's like. Mewtwo I also said, owned the history of trunks on VHS. That's a good one. That's that a, is a good one. That's yeah. a great one, actually. That's like the that's like the Terminator of the Dragon Ball universe. We're kind of getting side sidetracked here.
0: We are. We are. I I will say, there is a lot of great TV that is just coming out and that we have been enjoying. Um, I did recently finish start and finish the offer, um, which Ooh, though nice. has received a lot of a critical. <coughs> I would say, uh, you know, reviews that are all across the spectrum. Um, I personally found it to be one of, probably one of the most entertaining shows I've seen in a very long time.
1: It's a great um, time to be a fan of television, fan of movies, and streaming. But it's also, Chris, it's a dark time because oh. there's some bullshittery happen- happening happening uh, in the world of streaming and in the world of corporate greed and bullshit and what I'm talking about and you know about this is Warner Brothers Discovery and they're coming in and they you know had this huge merger and are immediately canceling and removing from streaming beloved shows like Infinity Train and I had a whole list and I and I took the list (laughs) down but um A new Batman animated series was going to be coming out. They canceled it. The Batgirl movie uh, has been canceled. A Wonder Twins, I think, uh, show they were going to be doing. Uh, So many shows have been canceled. So many uh, shows have been taken off streaming completely. Like, not even available anymore. And the worst part is that a lot of it is very transparently... Uh, a tax write off thing. Uh Warner Brothers Discovery is doing this uh unabashedly for, for greedy corporate reasons. I mean so we say no, so as we I'm put saying it on the internet. It, I'm saying it. Come at me, Warner Brothers Discovery. I ain't afraid. Listen, we already had to go up against Warner Brothers and ATT
0: once upon a time, Zach. I know. I don't know if you remember that was that was our start of last year. January twenty
1: one, that's how we started the year. Yeah. But let me tell you, it just baffles me that all these shows that people uh, work so hard for, and uh, people love these these shows, and we're very excited to get some of these new offerings, uh, but they're all canceled, and in some cases, uh, the footage has been completely scrapped. I know I read I read an article today that. Um, one of the directors of the Batgirl movie went to go retrieve some of the footage of it and found that the, it had basically been wiped. And uh, at the same time, they're still trying to salvage the Flash movie who, starring Ezra Miller, who by all accounts is committing felonies, assaulting people, breaking into homes, and grooming minors.
0: I was waiting till when this would make its way into the show. Yeah,
1: yeah, okay. There it's here. It's here. It's in your face. This is a uh,
0: yeah, this breaking news here on Scripture Screen. Um I listen. I don't know what what's going on in Casa del Brothers. Um <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, but I can't say for something I can't say I'm entirely upset cuz I don't know that I was attached to some of these projects that they were put going to put out. I don't know that I as somebody that works in the industry, I'm like yeah, that fucking sucks. Like that I won't be able to see like we people won't be able to see things they worked on and put out and that sucks. Um but I will say this if it's if there's somewhat of like a quality control thing to it, you know, if they're saying like Okay, after the merger, with new leadership, they're coming and actually looking at these projects like, wow, this actually sucks. Like, why would you guys spend all this money and put it out? I guess we have to cut it as a tax write-off because, like, this is just, like, this is just garbage. We don't want to put out garbage. All right. I can give you some credit, but you're going to have to fucking give these people something because, you know, you have paying customers. And also, the fact that you're removing things off your platform, like... What reason? Like why? Like you? You just
1: launched a stream.
0: Two new streaming platforms. Discovery has its own platform that went live last year. It's, same with HBO Max.
1: I I like, will say I will say though that it's um, it's already um, taking some big hits. I had seen some news that apparently uh, uh Warner Warner Bros Discovery has had a massive uh multi-billion dollar loss um, market share loss I believe uh, as a result of all these cancellations so Mm. it is it is hitting them like right away that's interesting I am yeah that's
0: uh, oh I will say this hold on it was formed after the spinoff of Warner Media by AT&T and its merger with Discovery okay so Warner Discovery is still owned by AT&T I don't know. I'm, like, also trying to, like, update update myself as I'm looking at a lot of this uh, information myself. But, um, yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, this is just, uh, as as it's still, like, a developing story, I'm not exactly entirely sure what's happening here. The fact that they're kind of going through their whole DC roster, though, and, like, really trying to, uh, like, you know, I don't want to say, like, just chop it up. Put it on the on the on the chopping block, uh, as the, as it were, like not the worst thing in the world. Honestly, I, it's just I, you are a very a big critic of these films. I and you know I'm well. That's
1: because they, they were made badly. They were made. So what are you complaining and,
0: about? What if the
1: Batgirl actually sucked? What if it actually sucked? It still deserves its chance to 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 suck in be, your eyes. To be judged, all films, <laughs> all films deserve to be released. Do they you know
0: I would, I would, there's Listen, man, a number
1: of films that I think... If we say, release. if we say this is okay, there is one film that doesn't deserve to be released, even though I'm sure Andy Muschietti and the other actors did a, a considerable job on it, as far as a lot of the uh, rumors out of the uh, the industry are saying that the Flash film was, was, by all accounts, a pretty decent film. I am not spending money... Uh, for a film that, uh, whose poster boy, uh, it grooms minors. That's true. Like, that uh, is a, I would say that's a pretty good principle to live by. It's weird that it's like, of all the things that have gotten canceled, that's not one of them. And I realize they're really hoping it pulls in a lot of money. But it's like, I guess moral integrity is, doesn't matter in the face of, Fantastic wealth, which is kind of sad. We're gonna uh, listen. Uh, that is not actually. Hey, hey, that's not a terrible segue to talk listen, about this show. I mean, we will we, we will be discussing crimes and felonies,
0: except they will be of the fictional sort and, today. And yes, so better call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly somebody should slip his card into Ezra Miller's fucking uh cell. Honestly he would be he would be right up there with some of Saul Goodman's uh Imagine if out. Saul Goodman like was represented Jeffrey Epstein. Oh Jesus. Imagine. Well,
1: that would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, better call Saul, the spin-off prequel sequel Interquel <clears throat> to Breaking Bad. Uh, what a show! Uh, just ended. Uh, there's still so so much about this show that just it, it baffles me. Um, and I think we should just get right into it. Do you have a I have synopsis? A, a, I have a a, sh- a series synopsis. Ooh. Ooh, yes, because uh, a little for our, lengthier, but I think it's 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 nice for all of our listeners, our lovely listeners. We are uh, going to be talking about the full series. We're not going to be here for six hours, but we we want to talk about the series as a whole. Um, so if you haven't seen Better Call Saul uh, and Breaking Bad, uh, a what's the matter with you? B, go right now, get on your Netflix and start watching, and C. Spoilers ahead, we're going to be talking about it. Uh, I am i don't think we're going to dabble too much in non-spoiler territory because there's too much to talk about and we'll be here forever if we do. So, uh, full spoilers ahead. There's your warning. Chris, hit him with a synopsis.
0: Uh, Better Call Saul, created by Vince Gilligan and Ooh. Peter Gould. Here we go. Here we go. He wasn't always Saul Goodman, ace attorney for chemist-turned-meth-dealer Walter White. Six years before he begins to represent Albuquerque's most notorious criminal, Goodman is Jimmy McGill, a small-time attorney hustling to make a name for himself. He's a forceful champion for his low-income clients, an underdog whose morales and ambitions often clash. Jimmy works with private eye Mike Ehrmantraut, a former Philadelphia cop, and a recent transplant to the southwest mike has a specialized skill set he's a fixer of sticky situations that jimmy soon learns to appreciate
1: go, go on go on that My, that that's it that's it i mm, i mean you had me in the first half not gonna lie um <laughs> yeah there's uh there's uh, some not not accurate stuff in there There's a lot of filling in that needs to happen. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Better Call Saul was, as you said, created by Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould for AMC. Written and directed by a whole lot of people. Um, I could name them all, but it would take a while. But just, you can look it up. They're all lovely writers, lovely directors. Uh, Opening theme by Little Barry... Music by Dave Porter. Cinematography by Arthur Albert, Marshall Adams, and Paul Donachy. Edited by Kelly Dixon, Skip McDonald, Chris McCaleb, and Curtis Thurber. Uh, Originally ran from February 8th, 2015 to the very recent August 15th, 2022. Wow, 2015. Yeah. Crazy. They took like one year off, I remember. Like a year Um, and a half, I think. Yeah. And uh and this most recent season was split into two halves, but also those two halves were just arbitrarily like a month apart, so it was weird. Um mm. And we have our cast. I didn't include everyone, I just included like the main people, because if you look on the the cast list in on Wikipedia, it, it it's substantial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um alright, so we have the man of the hour, Bob Odenkirk, as Jimmy McGill, a.k.a. Saul Goodman, a.k.a. Gene Takovic. Um, little, little known Zach fact, uh, my grandfather's name is Saul. So oh, I, was, I thought you are going to say it was Gene Takovic. My grandfather is Gene Takovic. No, my grandfather's <laughs> name was Saul. Saul Strackman. So I've always liked the name of this series. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Rhea Seahorn as Kim Wexler Patrick Fabian as Howard Hamlin Jonathan Banks as Mike Ermintrout, Trout Michael Mondo as Ignacio Nacho Varga Michael McKean as Chuck McGill Giancarlo Esposito as Gustavo Fring and Tony Dalton as Lalo Salamanca A a good cast of characters A wonderful cast of characters Holy hell what a good n- group of actors! Uh, I
0: w- so let's let's kind of break this up because I feel like you and I have been champions of the show since the beginning of the podcast. Though oh, yeah. we never did a, a, a full episode talking about like one of the seasons in particular. Um, we have always mentioned any time a season were to come back to oh, yeah. to to air that this was always a show that I felt like. The fact that I mean we got it because it was on the it was. It graced our presence off the shoulders of one Breaking Bad, uh, as we noted. It's like critically acclaimed series. I want to say Brian Cranston won an Emmy award for every year he played, <laughs> a, a fucking Walter White. You know, just um, about. And like it, and it's kind of the reason why we have a certain number of. Uh, um actors across across media i feel like even uh jonathan banks was hired to voice the character of of uh what's his name from batman um uh batman to, no who's the his gordon? buddy his yeah gordon <laughs> in arkham uh night for the, f- okay. the final game like after um him playing mike Erman yeah like and I, w- I was like oh like that's pretty cool you know we actually got uh Michael Mando from
1: a, another game,
0: you know, we got him oh, yeah, that's, straight out of Far Cry
1: 3. Anyone who's a who's a video game fan, who's a Far Cry fan has known about the talents of Michael Mando for years. Yeah. And uh it's been one of those things where it's like, "Oh, I'm so glad that he's on this show and people are going to wake up to this absolute talent." I was just say, I'm most recently t- uh, Tony Dalton in in Hawkeye. You know, Tony Dalton. It was in Hawkeye, and um, again, just a a fantastic actor who brings a lot of just fun energy and just kind of a terrifying presence to the series. Yeah. If um, if
0: anything, I don't know about for you, but for me, like the newest, like I would say the the more recent characters that I feel like. Um, both new to the the world of Breaking Bad, um, as for the show, uh, as well as like actors in their in their careers, to me are, uh, Rhea Seahorn as Kim Wexler and Patrick Fabian as Howard Hamlin. I wasn't as familiar with their work before Better Call Saul. Hmm. I don't know about yourself.
1: And eh, not not too much. They they yeah. They kind of flew under the radar for me. But that's what kind of makes it great. Is like once you, once you get into it and you see what they have some of the episodes are just outstanding performances from them and of course michael mckean um terrific comedian uh any of the um uh oh god christopher christopher judge films i mean i remember him from uh clue you remember
0: like the the adaptation That they made yeah dude like that I think that was
1: the earliest film. Like I remember, what, I, what did I say? I, I meant Christopher Guest. Jesus. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just absolute. Uh, and it's funny because this is him, and we'll dig into it more. But this is him playing really against type, like playing a very serious character who uh, has a very kind of a dark side to his to to who he is. Not uh, not unlike that of of Bob <laughs> Odenkirk in in the. Very titular role
0: as James McGill and Saul because you know he comes from his comedy background. Oh yeah, right. You know, and he's all he was also like a writer on SNL and and you know he had uh, spent some time.
1: Uh, what was the name of his show that was on Adult Swim? Do you remember uh, the, um, the the, the Mister Show? Right, it was Mister Show, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm But confirming... it's, it's Yeah, Mister oh, Show with were. Bob and
0: David. So it's just like. I, I, you know, we've. I think I've seen so many interviews where he kind of talks about the role of, like, Saul, and it was just, you know, very different. And he, just being in a drama in general was just the the biggest change in his career um, to anything else he's done. But, like, I want to say this show in and of itself is so, it's so incredible. Like... It at times I almost feel like it's better than Breaking oh, Bad.
1: Oh, well, I want to get into that a little later as we as we explore the series. But I very much agree with that sentiment. We'll we'll talk about that. I want to talk though about kind of the my how I felt and how you felt going into the series at the beginning because when you finish Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad ends in such a Fireworks display, it is a crazy finale that follows an absolutely bonkers, amazing show. That when you th- when you know back when they first announced uh, Better Call Saul, my first instinct was like, why why trifle with a good thing? You know, let it let it just exist on its own. I'm always kind of apprehensive to. To return to a well that maybe have dried up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or better to have just left well enough alone, because uh, it's it was perfect the way it it was. Um, and on top of that, you know, you think, well, how can a show like this hold for several seasons? Is this a character who can really? Carry a show all by himself. Is there was there enough there, with, um, with the character from Breaking Bad that would warrant his own show? Uh, and I think once you start watching those the first few episodes, it really hits you of like, there's a pedigree to this show. You go in and you're like, this is. F- Better than most shows ever get the chance to be right off the bat.
0: Yeah, I uh, uh, you know, I agree, but I I I will say like they kind of had. I think the the showrunners you know Gilligan and, and Gould I think they they had the. Luckily for them, they had the experience with doing their first program right with mm-hmm. Breaking Bad, and I think between that doing, let's the first half of Better Call Saul, they took that break, they did El Camino, Mm. and then they would return to it. I think in that, I don't know, what is it, like a 10-year period, like 12-year period? Yeah. There was a lot of, like, learning and things like that, like, kind of 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 their process that you saw every inkling and every inch of improvement that was made between everything. Oh, absolutely. And it's, like, it's why I just feel like, the reason why Better Call Saul, in and of itself, like remains, in my opinion, and I, you know, I think you shared, said you shared this with me, like better than Breaking Bad, is because it like it was able to age like fine wine because the barrels or whatever. That's not how wines ages <laughs> in barrels. You know, it's like it's like whiskey. You know, they it's like it was already had like this really great barrel that they could put, use it for and, yes. and put it in everything. And it's like so it's this beautiful blended Scotch
1: you know by the end of it it's like oh my god like that is incredible dude and, like, and what I think really makes this so like Breaking Bad had a lot of things that really worked for it uh, it had a big cast of characters it had really smart uh, uh dialogue full of emotion and uh, a lot of intense moments of uh action and ultra-violence and um, just just really heightened tension that, like, it really kept you glued to your screen uh, season to season, episode to episode. And there's definitely some of that in Better Call Saul. But Better Call Saul is much more a character study, yeah. and it is really just focused on... You know, telling kind of how Breaking Bad was how Mr. Chips becomes Scarface. This yeah. is how you watch a man who is trying to show the world that he's not this crackpot lawyer, that he that he can be taken seriously, to someone who just gives in to his demons and uh Really, just kind of like almost like a rat, a rat king, uh, embracing the 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 worst parts of himself. <laughs> um, and the, there's something fascinating about that, where we do get a lot of the cartel stuff, and we get a lot of the the violence and and uh, some very intense death scenes throughout. But those aren't like the we don't get those till late in the game, and there's so much character drama that drives everything in this. So it doesn't need to lean on the the cartel violence and the drugs and the, the crazy shit that's happening there. It can just focus on seeing this character of Jimmy McGill, of Kim Wexler, of uh, Chuck, and all of them. And then we also get off to the side, kind of in an unrelated stuff until the very end. The stuff with Mike, the stuff with Gus, with Nacho, and eventually with Lalo.
0: Yeah, I you know I I really liked about it too is that the I mean you really got to just hand it to all of the writers, right? Like there's something about that this team that they kind of put together that all the characters kind of are kind of accentuated. Like you know we're in. This is Saul's world, right? And everybody's just living in it. It's kind of really? how they treat the show. And it's everybody, in a sense, is all reactionary. Even to an extent, like, the cartel people and and stuff. Like, they're all, you know... All their ongoings on is, is somewhat related toward his. And that's kind of uh, toward his character. And I think that's where they kind of show... It starts to head more toward the latter seasons. Um... And because of that, it, it you kind we get this like really well kind of like organized bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, all the wires are cleanly wrapped around, you're like, oh shit, like they really tied all this together. They took all the best parts from Breaking Bad outside of Jesse Pikman and outside of Walter White. And they were <laughs> able to kind of like like they were able to make us realize like, oh, you know, like how good of a world like they were able to to organize and like why we were still so drawn into everything. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of credit that we should give to these characters. So let's, let's explore them a little further
1: for sure. So obviously I think the, the, the one who uh, the show is named after Saul Goodman, Jimmy McGill. Uh, I got to give it to Owen Kirk. Like if he doesn't get an Emmy for this final season, Dude, he was nominated every year. He didn't win a single and, year, but this one. I mean, I I so I put for each of the kind of like the main cast, I kind of put one uh, episode that in my mind really stands out. And I think there's so many instances of Bob Odenkirk just bringing his absolute best to the table. But Saul gone, the finale, that final scene in the in the courtroom. Actually, I even like. I mean, I love that
0: scene. Mm-hmm. But I love the scene even before where it's like they're in the mediation room. Oh yeah, and he's like selling his story, and then we get to another point where like he's selling the like. It's just he's keeps putting himself in positions where he's selling the same exact story. I'm like, oh my god,
1: yeah, like, it's, this is it's, so clever. Well, oh, I, I put you know part of the fun of watching Better Call Saul is the the schemes that he sets up because he is. He's slipping Jimmy. He he is always after a new scheme, a new trick, and uh, he's always you know make, making a plan. And and part of the fun is watching these these the setup and payoffs of these schemes. And you always get to a point of reveal of like you you get that moment where you go like, oh, this is what he's been doing the whole time. Yeah. And you get that in that scene in the mediation room in the finale where where. You know, he says, you know, it's a, it's a good story. Might you know, uh, it, do you think the judge is going to buy it or the jury's going to buy it? It's like, I don't know, but all I need is one. And and suddenly you're like, oh, he is so much more dangerous than people give him credit for. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> oh. I, you. So you know what was one of my favorite scenes for like the longest
0: time? It was way back, I think, at the end of season two where he's kind of messing with, like, the Mesa Verde papers mm-hmm. at, at, like, the FedEx or the Kinkos, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And it's that whole... It's it's his resourcefulness, is what it is. It's, it's always, like, stuck to me. I'm like, dude, this guy goes to, like, ends length. Like, he's really, like... He's not just, like, a big talker, but, like, he also oh, does... he's...
1: Like, it, with the right direction and the right, like... With the right trajectory... He could be, like, he could really like help, and you and put his talents to good use. He's he's very much like a Frank Abagnale of a uh, catch. Oh, Hand. dude, yeah, for sure. Um, like that is that is a great way of putting it. And you know, it's so funny because, like, listen, we're here talking about the lead character of this series. We're talking about a character who, when he shows up in like the middle of season two of Breaking Bad. Vince Gilligan originally had just planned it to be that one episode, and, and that was it. It was such a hit that, and like you, this is the same for like uh for Jonathan Banks with Mike Herman Trout, who he was only supposed to show up for that last for that one scene in the last. I couldn't uh, imagine the show without him. I know, right? Exactly, and all these characters had like really. And it kind of goes to show when you know, they're making these series uh, how much of the shows are made in in the production. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, uh, for example, uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gold were in an interview where they talked about how their original intention was to basically have Jimmy be Saul Goodman by the end of the first season. Um, and it's crazy how he really does not embrace... Saul Goodman, until what the end of the fourth season, yeah. So, uh, really, actually, now I think about it, that's and when he, he starts using that name. Uh,
0: well, no, well, we got a little hints of it in with Slip and Jimmy where he's like, My name's Saul
1: Goodman, and I remember yes. everyone's like,
0: What that's how it came about,
1: and I feel like, I feel like the but the that was full, the joke, the full embrace. Of, of the character when he when Jimmy stopped being Jimmy and became Saul Goodman was, was at the end of season four it's that moment that he actually like signs the legal document to, to like do his you know practice law as yeah Saul Goodman um but just you know perfect balancing act of comedy and drama from uh Bob Odenkirk uh perfectly balanced as all things should be and uh I don't think there's anyone who could have who could have done uh, better with with what they were given. I don't think there's any other character from Breaking Bad that I feel could have so much depth mined from them. Probably could, like a Skyler series or something. But uh, <laughs> I beg to differ. I don't know. I could do something. I who who knows? Maybe now, a uh, li- listen. Still I will hold out for f- Huel's rules.
0: Hule's Rules, I could watch. <laughs> that would be or fantastic. The, or the Cuby Cubby. Uh, I don't know about Cuby Cubby. But ah. Hule's Rules, let's do it. It takes place in Louisiana. Ooh. Ooh, dude. Uh, you're already hooked. Hugh and then Batman. we tie it in to the uh, the True Detective series. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm, girl, I'm, okay. Ba- I'm, I'm
1: back. I'm <laughs> back.
0: <laughs> all right. But in all reality, I love how they start the show off by kind of. Dude, we get. A semblance of, like, what's happening to him after Breaking Bad. Oh, the yeah. The whole Gene Takovic black and white, like, you know, oh, we're at the Cinnabon he's talking about yeah. or he had talked about to to Walter. Like, oh, dude, like, and the what way a great segue. The way they
1: play with that, a very linear of, like, we at first we we're getting, like, the beginning of the end of the seasons, you know, we would get, like, a little flash here, a little flash there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a little thing, just see his life. And at first it's just kind of like, okay, He's just living his life, but then little by little things start happening. He watches his old videotapes. He carves "SG was here" on the wall. He, you know, it's like all these, all these little things, um, and and slowly you're watching that story kind of unfold until it really takes over in the final stretch of episodes. Um, and even then, we're bouncing between that. And going back to Breaking Bad, and going back to the Saul uh, Better Call Saul timeline, and then back to Gene, it's it's fantastic. I would say it is a really fun
0: way of kind of leading the audience on. Like, I, I don't know. At, at any point, I thought that anything was going to come about like the post Breaking Bad era, right? You know, so like come what was it the end of like season five or the beginning of season five where we had like i think the longest like it was a 40 minute 30 minute like period in like that something like that that, that yeah that timeline and then, and now like there's yeah i don't know there's just things happening like season six really changed everything you know Absolutely. and see like i didn't even know this at, at, at one point that like even the intros to the show started changing like the rewinds and stuff like that like would get shorter and shorter until I think I saw like a YouTube compilation, and it's like by the end of it, it's just like there's almost nothing. It's just I blue love, screen, no yeah, song. Nothing. I
1: love when when shows find like ways to to tell a story even like on that level, um, and and yeah, just the the as a framing device, just having this as like you know we know. We're going into uh, Saul. Better call Saul, f- having seen Breaking Bad, knowing that this is where he ended up, knowing like you know his glory days are behind him. But then yeah, the the slow reveal of that things are are not exactly uh, sunshine and rainbows either, um, and it leads to some very kind of fun episodes, uh, especially the one where they're uh, robbing the store in the mall. I guess the, the cinnabon episode that was fantastic now all this to say like if
0: there was a singular word I were to use to like describe like Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould as like writers it would be mm-hmm. like intentional oh everything absolutely. and every decision that they made was made with intention yeah and and nothing and which is sometimes you I feel like you forget this as like an audience member that like you know. The reason why we're able to think like, wow, like these fucking guys are, are so <laughs> incredibly clever. It's just like there was always a plan for every single detail, you know, yeah. whether we knew it or not, even whether they knew it or not. Like it's just whatever it was like, dude, like they stuck the landing at, at, at every point. Like you bring up the 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 robbery, the heist, like at mm-hmm. the end, like at, at season six, and it's like. I don't know if you remember watching The Founder with Michael Keaton about like mm-hmm. the, the story of McDonald's, oh, the, but they the talked ballet. about like the, the speedy system. Yeah, the ballet on the on the mm-hmm. They're figuring out like how to the to best manage like uh, yes. fast food operations. Like that's exactly what they did. Like in the snow
1: with stealing from a with, department store. with stealing
0: from a department store, and like that's the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, wow, like dude, these these
1: guys like really tracked everything yeah like, I know, it's it's fantastic i love it and what what is fascinating is you're seeing all this stuff and it really when you're watching it it plays out as like you know god jimmy cannot help himself he gets this bug in him and he just has to he is he has a compulsion to commit crimes, to pull one over, to try and get away with it, and it's going to be the end of him. And it really does end up being the end of him. But what is very surprising is that once we hit that finale, Better Call Saul kind of turns into a proper finale to it and Breaking Bad. Yeah. In so many ways. We get the return of Marie. We get, uh, you know, the return of... Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston, um, and of course throughout the show there are. If you look on uh, Wikipedia at the list of actors who came back from Breaking Bad, it's bigger than the rest of the cast of the series, like combined practically. Yeah. Even in these tiny, tiny people characters who like you would think like no one's gonna care if this. Um, Character showed up, but like when Wendy, the prostitute and and like uh meth head uh appeared in one of the episodes in season six, I vis I, I like audibly like gasped and I'm like, it's Wendy! And then she went to she went to like the the soda machine. I'm like, is she buying a root beer? Because I remember that it when she was uh, interrogated by uh Hank in Breaking Bad, she wanted a root beer and sure enough, she dispensed a root beer. From that machine and i'm like i love this show it's just fantastic like no they
0: they did a good job of like just getting everybody back like or well, everybody that they could you know like you know save for a few you know like robert forrester like but he yes. did make his final his final one of his final roles was in el camino that's right you know like and that and and of itself like was i think i said earlier it's, i think it's one of the reasons why I better call saul like Seasons five and six ended up being so incredible is because of their experience shooting uh, El Camino, yeah. you know, and and so like they were able to still like pay homage or also just make sure like everybody was was kind of taken care of at the end. Like all these characters that they created, all these like all these stories, like there was no loose end, you know, left un- untied. Right, like yeah, yeah. it was all everything was perfectly done with a bow underneath the Christmas tree and ready for the boys and girls all across late night television to open with joy. Thank you, Papa Vince. Yeah. Oh, seriously. Because like, it's, I don't know, dude, I I had a really, I had a really good time these last couple years, like just watching the show when, when I could and everything. And, and I, I don't know, dude, like I, I can't express this enough. Like, There was just something super graceful. Um, Also, like, from a technical level, like, the art style. Like, early Mm -hmm. Breaking Bad, you look at the show, and it it looks like a lot of television from 2008, right? Like, there's not anything, like, pulling it apart. But, like, they were able to put in a lot of techniques and a lot of, like, interesting, like, camera moves and, like, types
1: of framing. Did you um, get a chance? It only got better with their technology did you get a chance to watch that video I sent you from uh studio binder I hadn't I uh, was trying to do it but then I got an hour long phone call before oh, it, so. that's okay uh, to any of our listeners if you if you want if you want to know kind of like what what uh, you know part of lit, what Chris is talking about I would look up the uh, YouTube video uh, why better call Saul cinematography is the best on television by studio binder. Uh, It's a 10-minute video, but it is so comprehensive in just all the techniques and all the different technology that uh, the cinematographers and the directors and Peter and Vince uh, used to craft this show and the methodology behind all of it. And it's just so fascinating uh, how, how they wanted to make a show that didn't look like anything else on TV and... My God, did they succeed? Now, what would you say are some of the, like the standout moments for you? Well, uh, uh, let's let's go through these characters because I kind of I kind of each one of these I have kind of like you, moments. Yeah, you had
0: you, you did you did you have your your pinpoints? I see them. So so let's go like them.
1: you know we have Kim who I I wrote down. She's a good person who can't resist a good time. She. Has her moment in point-and-shoot where she uh, basically breaks up with with Jimmy. Um, And it's kind of a tragic scene because it's like it's this, you know, she admits like, you know, I could have stopped this. I could have just, you know, done the right thing, but I was having too much fun. And... And it really kind of cuts to the core of her character of just like you know she's a good person she is out to help the little man she wants to make a difference in the world of of law but mm-hmm. she is enamored by danger and by the allure of of pulling one over on somebody and she can't resist that and it's it's a deep character flaw but it makes her so relatable and, uh, uh, Rhea Seahorn does such a good job with this character, um, to the point that I'm sure you saw, uh, leading up to pretty much any episode in the final season, everyone was going, just let Kim survive, please. <laughs> uh, cause, cause I she- always wonder what was going to happen to her
0: character at the, at the very end, especially when they started, like, engaging her in a relationship with Jimmy, I'm like- yeah. Hmm. There's something happening here and I'm not entirely sure where it's going to go. Exactly. And I said listen, it was it was her or Howard. It was yeah. it had to be one of the two. and well, spoiler,
1: <laughs> didn't end well for the one of them. Right. Yikes. Uh Chuck McGill uh super deeply fa- flawed character. Uh not wrong he has a great disdain for his brother for a lot of the wrong reasons. But at the end of the I would day, say for a lot of the wrong reasons, I think I it's, think, for I think sibling a, rivalry. I feel like
0: it's very well-placed.
1: Yeah. I think he is a deeply was ooh, spoilers, a, a, a deeply unhappy person and a very, I think he had an inferiority complex about him and it kind of, even if, like, Jimmy did turn his life around, I think he would always live in Chuck's shadow. Um, and watching him kind of unravel, try to pull himself back together, and ultimately fall apart because of Jimmy's doing, was some of the most engrossing character drama I've seen in a television show. No, no more, uh, uh, than in the episode Chicanery, where he is on the stand uh, testifying against Jimmy, and uh, Jimmy is able to trick, you know, get Huel to slip the the phone battery into his pocket and prove that uh, this electro-sensitivity, uh, whatever it's called, is is all in his head. And just the way that his... He, he gives such a intense monologue... Where you can just see his character spiraling out of control, um, it's so fascinating. It's it's super hard to watch because because you feel bad for the guy, but fantastic television. I'm I'm trying to go back um, and
0: find. I think so. I think the episode is nailed in season two. It's like the the penultimate episode. Okay. That's my my favorite word on the show. Um, <laughs> it is, it's when. Chuck goes into the Kinkos and is like oh, uh, confronting the the uh guy that works there about yes. like what happened the night before with Jimmy like one you kind of discover a couple great things about Chuck Chuck honestly he knew where to check and like he was like he's a great detective
1: right and t- <laughs> you a know lawyer. like
0: he, he's a, well one he's a lawyer but like two like he he knows Jimmy so well that he knew exactly where to look mm-hmm. And it also showed you another point, like, that, you know, the writers of the show were not afraid to put their brand new characters in positions of peril. Oh, Um, my God.
1: Like, watching him in that scene go from, like, calm and collected to angry and losing control of the situation and finally just delirious until the point that that... Fall where he cracks his head on the corner of the table. I dude, I, I thought he was dead. Like that was actually, I was shocked. I was like, oh huh! You it's, know, it's, like it's enjoy that for your ears. It's one of those <laughs> things. So, like, I you know, you always think about these things where you know that you think of something and maybe you're you're. You, like a prank gone wrong or something where it's like, it seems like such a good idea in your head. And the second you see it all happening, you go, Oh my God. Like what the fuck was I thinking? And that's kind of like, you know, you're seeing Jimmy watching Chuck from a distance, uh, through the windows. And when he hits his head and suddenly you're like, Oh, it all went wrong. It all went wrong in like yeah. the worst possible way. And, the scene that follows it in the next episode I forget what the episode after Nailed was but when it's he called, is it's called Click with a K the, when he is in the hospital that whole scene of being brought into the hospital and being examined by all the doctors and being basically tied down and having light shown on what a horrifying just just deeply disturbing disturbing scene is like unlike anything better than half the shit that was in Breaking Bad not to you know uh uh minimalize Breaking Bad but there was never I think a scene in Breaking Bad that just had my like jaw on the floor it's like
0: the the entire audience all went through the same electromagnetic hypersensitivity that he was experiencing
1: And they they found a way to convey that, and you're just like, ugh. Well, it's it's like the buzzing, you know? They always have the buzzing of, like, the exit signs, and there was a good nod to that in the final uh, courtroom scene uh, in the finale. Just, ah! And, of course, uh, the tragic way Chuck exits the series, um, literally, like burning I, himself to death. I
0: am telling you because of season two, I was ready prepared I was prepared for him to die yeah. like in like some some way. Like I don't I did not know how necessarily, but like you know, I knew it was not gonna end well for him.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, dude. Like it was Just, it was rough. It's great insane. character. Oh rough. one of the best. Um yeah. now let's let's move from a character who met his Uh, unfortunate fate to one who we knew was not going to die in Better Call Saul, Mike. Um, Obviously, again, uh, for a character who was only meant to appear in one scene in the season 2 finale of Breaking Bad, I don't know how this show would have functioned without Mike. No, he was a great kind of vessel
0: cuz he was he was in since the very first episode of
1: Better Call Saul. Pretty right. much he was like he was the um parking lot guy yeah. at a, at the courthouse but I, we were happy to have a, a couple of familiar faces with us from the
0: last show. And so I think it was he was a welcomed one.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean just listen, I put I put 50 for my for my episode the the story of of him with his son is some of the most the, the, some of the saddest uh, dialogue I have ever heard in a show, that whole moment where it says, I broke my boy, I'm like, fucking kill me. Because, like, I'm <laughs> I'm dead inside. Yeah, dude. Is, that, um, is
0: 5 O's in season
1: That's season one, 2 four. or 1? No, it's 1. Season 1. And just, just, ugh, what a... It, it, Jonathan Banks, such a fucking great actor, and getting to see his relationship with Nacho develop, um, you really understand why in Breaking Bad, why he takes to um, uh, Jesse Jesse so much. Because they're so similar, uh, Jesse and, and Nacho, and you can see there's a lot of regret there that things ended up the way they did with Nacho, and how really, Mike tried to steer him in the right direction and just couldn't do it. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's ultimately sad too. like,
0: you know, as we'll, we'll transition to talking about show in a moment, but like Mike's story, like I, even, even in better call Saul, I feel like you still get to see a lot of the pain that he experiences Outside of, you know, the trauma that he experienced with his son, but also, like, in the moments that we get to see with him and his granddaughter and everything, like, and also with other, I don't want to call them pests, but, like, people he has to deal with at work. Like, Werner Ziegler, right? Oh, and we Werner had Ziegler, what? That what? whole, like, chapter of, of, like, him having to deal with a really, you know, the, Werner was not a bad guy. He was a a guy that just missed his home.
1: What a regretful set of circumstances uh, that ended up being.
0: He didn't want that to happen.
1: Didn't need to happen. He liked Werner. Yeah, and he had to do something really fucking unfortunate. And that whole saga of building out the super lab was very fascinating to watch. Getting to see, there was the one, uh, one of the workers who was kind of a punk, but then as time got on, he had kind of... Mike was able to get his respect and stuff, and just uh, I love the episode where um, to kind of keep up with um, appearances for his like his cover job, he goes to a factory, a magical factory to um, or is it a magical factory? I don't know, but he goes to a factory to kind of keep up appearances and like be a security consultant, and it's just fucking Mike going around and just bossing everyone around and being a manager. And it's so engaging. Like watching him just tell people he doesn't even know what to do and bossing them around is so entertaining. I could watch a whole series like that. Mike Trout. Oh yeah. Security man. Absolutely. No, call it, call it a, uh, uh, Mike Erman full measure or something. I don't know. Full
0: measure. Mike <laughs> Erman Trout full throttle.
1: There you go. Um, and then there's the other side to the Breaking Bad alumni coin in Gus Spring. So Gus is is interesting because we just
0: what we get to do is is kind of learn a little bit more about the turmoil between. Him and the, the Salamanca family. Yeah, so and it was there in Breaking Bad, but we really get a lot more juice. Like, I, I feel like I I don't know that the show needed it per se. But it was fucking enjoyable to say the least. And it's like, oh, it's like I don't know that we, we it's not that we we didn't want it, but it's just like it it helped build the world further. And yeah. It was it was well appreciated world building because it was just it was executed in such a fun way. And we got getting cool shootouts. We got oh, yeah.
1: great returning characters. Getting like, to see the the grow the, the point that Mike and Gus meet each other and come into each other's kind of orbit and realize that they can both benefit each other by working together. And where you know that relationship will ultimately end up, um, it, it's fascinating to watch play out because you can tell, even up to their last few interactions in Better Call Saul, they don't seem to 100% trust each other until yeah. like the very, very end. Yeah. Um, And just, it's like, I, so for my, the, the episode that kinda I singled out for Gus. Um, I don't know how you feel about this. Um, Of them all, I chose Fun and Games, which is the episode after he's killed Lalo. Uh, Spoilers, I guess. And (sighs) it's when he goes... He sets everything right with uh, Don Eladio and uh, Bolsa and uh, Hector. And then we get this scene of him returning home. And he has secured his safety and... He has removed Lalo from the picture and everything is fine. And we get a scene where he goes to this restaurant and chats up the sommelier. And it's just... I It struck me as such a fascinating scene. Um, one, because there was always the implication in Breaking Bad that Gus was gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just further fuel to that fire. I mean, it's basically confirmed at this point, which is fine. Um, But getting, you know, in Breaking Bad and in Better Call Saul, we only ever saw Gus kind of putting on a performance or being the drug kingpin. Yeah. And we never just got to see him relax. And, like, what what does someone like that do... I think in like f- we got maybe
0: one instance and that's when he was having dinner with Walter.
1: But even then he's still he's still putting on a facade. No like it's so rare that you see the curtain come down completely. And yeah, I think, yeah. I think you see it in that scene of of him just going and having a glass of nice wine listening to a dude who he very is very much implied that he that he likes Talk about another, like, you know, talk about wine. And you just, you see his defenses drop. And you see that, like, there's a human underneath all of that. um, Because he's always such a precise and measured person. And everything is so deliberate with him. um, That getting to see this other side of him that really never gets to be seen before... It really caught me off guard in a really good way. I
0: um I think about it, and I'm trying to remember like how I was feeling in that moment. It was a early season six. It was like the first half of season six with that one. I I want to say one of my favorite parts about Gus in this show mm-hmm. will go all the way back to I think season two or three, to, closer toward his introduction in the series. Uh, when he put the plastic bag over fucking, uh, what's his name's face and suffocated it. Oh, yes. And it's so on the other side of the spectrum (laughs) (laughs) made him a lot more visceral, you know, and it was just a a stark reminder ever since, uh, you know, slicing Victor's neck and Breaking Bad that, like, yeah, this is one fucking guy you do not want to mess with because he will quite literally take your breath away. (laughs) Um, but I'm bumps, two times now, and <laughs> and that was the, always the thing about him that like, Gus Fring is not a very scary looking person. Yeah. While his face can be scary, his expressions can seem scary. He seems he's a small guy. He's a little. You yeah. know, you could get into a fist fight with him. We'll see how that works out. <laughs> but like, he. Stands with such confidence, and like that's where I I really like like, John Carlos like, his his skills like as an oh, actor as like I performer mean, he is, like
1: he has only ever been cast as a villain since
0: I basically you know you know I hope he enjoys it because Gra-
1: sometimes Grand Moff Tarkin or no uh, no uh, Moff Gideon is literally just Space Gustavo Fring basically you there, know then and then he he's basically video game actually
0: i'm not gonna give moff gideon the credit that gustavo fring has because <laughs> moff gideon hasn't done shit
1: yeah um but then like he was also basically a dictator gustavo fring in the new far cry game so it's just like listen he nailed a role and everyone said can you just be gus fring for our thing because, like, you're so good at it. And he really is. He's <laughs> I mean, like absolutely. He's, he, like, steals Which is, the screen. It's so funny because when you see him in interviews, he seems like the, just the nicest person on Earth. Do
0: you remember way back when, when Destiny was coming out and he would tell us a story about the Guardians? You remember he was, like, <laughs> in one of the earliest trailers for Destiny? Oh, my God. And speaking of, like, there's a lot of video game alumni in this uh, show. And I, I just love that, you know, across all media everybody is like looking at these characters like yeah these are the guys like these are some great
1: performers all around but yeah it's great when you know you broaden your horizons and you never know what you might find let's move now to one of the saddest uh uh parts Almost of shakespearean this series. howard hamlin of hamlin hamlin and mcgill uh a man who I think is was ex- so he is he's very misleading when you first get in because when you what did I just see you do? Let's not talk about it on the podcast. Okay, <laughs> it's a mystery. You'll never know. Um, I'll never know. But I was just um, say, it's like
0: <laughs> exposing like my line of coke and that I'm doing on the show. Oh no, <laughs> hide your
1: coke. But um. Okay, so Howard Hamlin, right? I don't know about you, but like when when I started the series, I think I'm with a lot of people where when you first meet him, you're like, "Who's this douche? Who's He's this a fucking asshole? Is what? Who's he is. this guy?" And He's and a pleb. And you know you're rooting for Jimmy, and you see this guy, but then you like the longer the show goes on, the more layers are peeled back, and you realize that Howard was actually a nice guy, and that any of the shitty stuff he did to Jimmy was he was doing it for Chuck and on Chuck's request and making Chuck, making sure Chuck still remained a good person in Jimmy's eyes for as long as possible. And the whole time just, you know, bearing the brunt of, of Jimmy's ire. But No matter what, he never let himself, like, stoop to the... As, like, low as Jimmy. Yeah. Even, like, you know, he challenges him to a fight. Like, a a boxing match and, you know, kicks Jimmy's ass a bit. That was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, and Jimmy deserved it. But, (laughs) you know, watching him and, like, seeing... Jimmy and Kim go to such extents just to fuck him over for no reason except because it was fun. You know, by the end of the series, I'm just like, I just want Howard to be happy. Yeah, and
0: boy, did that fucking suck. Yeah. uh, Like, his story is is just a tragedy.
1: Yeah, and, and I remember... After you know the episode after he got killed, when when Mike is doing all the the um, the cleanup, and he tosses his body un- in underground under the super lab, I just remember just feeling very sad inside. Dude, the fact that he had to be buried like Lalo mm. made me
0: fucking depressed. I was just like, like what? he did
1: not deserve that. And and the the way it affects like his ex-wife and how and how Kim then is gets put into a position where she has to basically gaslight his ex-wife into thinking that she was just a bad like negligent person who never saw uh, Howard for the for the drug addict that he was uh, quote unquote. Yeah, uh, it's so miserably dark and sad. Um, yeah and it's crazy, and like you know Patrick fabian does such a good job um for uh with with this uh character um I had put two episodes uh that really stood out to me for howard uh the first of which was smoke, which is the uh first episode of season four and um that's when this is after Chuck has committed suicide, and you see the regret and how much damage this has done to Howard emotionally, and it's such a just a very gut wrenching scene to hear him confess his, what he feels he did wrong to Chuck, and then only to have Jimmy just like be like, oh, that's your your burden to carry for the rest of your life. And it's like, yeah. Oh my God. Just it's and that. And of course, plan and execution, even though, first of all, that, that title, Jesus Christ, that's the one where they, the plan, they carry out there, their plan to ruin him. And then of course he is executed at the end of the episode. Um, it's a double it's it's wordplay i love it um but the scene even though it is not a glorious scene for howard but the scene of him succumbing to their plan is hard to watch in all the right ways no it's it's like
0: it's deeply sad like saddening yes you know like i i think coming out of that episode like and then seeing the reaction like from kim like cuz then she leaves jimmy and everything it's yep I think it put me in like a really like fuck like Mm -hmm. this is this is low like come on Jimmy like (laughs) what the fuck dude yeah this guy died like he did he was so innocent and you fucked with him till the end and then like there was what after that point like dude literal human garbage yeah yeah that
1: that's pretty much and that's really it's it's after that point that Kim leaves Jimmy. And Jimmy fully embraces the Saul Goodman um, mentality. And really that just oh god. It Howard is the tipping point. Uh, and the fact that he never caved, even to his dying moment, he was just a, a good guy, the right the in the wrong place at the wrong time and he's, he's collateral damage. Yeah. Which sucks, uh, but it's great television. <laughs> Are we terrible? I don't know. Maybe
0: we didn't write it. We just enjoyed the show. Yeah. Oh
1: god. I'm like I'm like that sucks. What happened to Howard? Let me watch the next episode. <laughs> oh um, god!
0: If they're only fictional characters. They're only fictional characters.
1: Yes. Let's turn this around with a with a much lighter not so intense uh character talk about nacho varga i don't know this is also (laughs) no this what a i fucking love nacho slow march to a grisly ending this character the thing about it no
0: i agree 100 this much like howard uh you know in the end i don't think he got what he deserved at all i think he was fucking shoved
1: if not like forced between a rock and a hard place Speaking uh, of which, Rock and Hard Place uh, is my episode friend. That's his that is his final episode when he finally comes to the end of the line, realizes that all the mistakes he's made have led him to this point. Um and uh you you so many points when you throughout the show where you go like just stop. Just stop go go quit the cartel and take your dad and go move somewhere else and and be happy i miss i just wish he it was him and his van
0: again and they were robbing homes and like just you know or not or trying to at least you know like petty crimes or like getting prescription drugs from guys who own crazy hummers you know like (laughs) how did you get mixed up in all this business buddy
1: uh yeah once you get involved with meth there's no going back man it's it's horrible but uh and, and, you know, Michael Mondo, just, you know, a fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. Really. He was, he was probably, like,
0: really showed off a lot of, like, his, like, ability, like, in this show. Because, I mean, of, in,
1: he wasn't really an antagonist, you know? No, like, absolutely not. And, I mean, he was, I mean, just the vulnerability. You know, Anytime he had to talk to his dad mm-hmm. about about the, the dangerous situations that were happening because of him. And... Having to bear the disappointment in his father's face, you know, knowing that, like, he was just consistently fucking up, it just, ah, it made him such a tragic character. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, for such a tragic character, they made him look great. Yeah. I think some of the
0: best framing and, like, composition are definitely in shots that he had been in is... Let's talk in just this last season alone. Every time he that man's up against a fucking window or something like in, in some of the, the, the driving scenes, or even the ones where like he's
1: he's like hiding in like that motel. and I'm like, oh, dude, like, by, by that motel scene, get something about his away, desperation. Get the fuck away from the window. He's like, someone could be watching you, just stay down. And he keeps checking the window. Yeah, and I'm like, do you not grasp that people are coming to kill you? listen he's resourceful he's smart Oh, and then having to hide out in the oil in that in that rundown tanker that fucking sucked Oh,
0: I I like that is a man like he he is the only thing he was fighting was for his own survival yeah and throughout the entire show it's like his it's that it's he just got mixed up with the wrong fucking people and that it's that sucks ass
1: yeah and and you know just I hope Michael Mondo just keeps appearing and stuff because he's such a great actor. I've I've known it since Fa- Far Cry Three. Uh, you know he's 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 so he has
0: every capability of I think of a
1: leading actor. I I oh, do think that he could have his own show, Nachos Nachos coming to AMC. Is it like kind of a reality show where he rates nachos? Sure. <laughs> um. And then lastly, uh, in just terms of like characters really worth talking about, um, is uh, kind of like the big bad of the series. Uh, Lalo Salamanca, uh, who busts into the scene after Tuco gets arrested, and I believe, is it after Hector gets incapacitated? Yeah. I don't remember. But Lalo shows up, and... That first scene of him in Kushata when he is cooking in the kitchen and he's talking to Nacho and he is, uh, so calm and collected and just kind of jovial and it's very off-putting because you're like, this is a Salamanca and we, uh, we have only ever met one type of Salamanca in the world it's the and, Crazy kind. And he yeah, and he is definitely not fitting the bill yet. He does eventually. Um but it's that early scene of him just, just being chill and being friendly, where you're kinda like I don't know when something's about to pop off, and I'm I'm afraid to find out when it does. I'm actually like trying to go back and, and think to myself, like what was it in season three or four?
0: That it was he, I think
1: season in, three. I wanna say it's four. But, um, and of course, uh, Lalo is one of those great characters that going back to Breaking Bad, the name was dropped when they first introduced, uh, Saul Goodman only to, you know, say, you know, oh, it was Lalo, it was Lalo, or or no, it it was Ignacio, it was Ignacio. And he said, did Lalo send you? And... I'm sure at the time of Breaking Bad, those were just names they picked, but it's so cool that they took those names and they actually turned them not just into characters, but into some of the best, most compelling characters in the series. So yeah, just Lalo, just a really really exciting kind of dynamic character. Anytime he was interacting with someone. Uh, who you couldn't guarantee they were going to make it out of the series. It was always extremely tense. Tony Dalton, uh, fantastic actor. Part of the reason I, I. Lalo Salamanca is the reason why I didn't trust him in Hawkeye. Um. Was because of his the way his character was played in in, uh, Better Call Saul? Yeah, I was just like, well, this is... I mean, he must be playing a villain, because he plays a villain in that other series. I'm so used to seeing him as a villain. And then he just ends up being a normal dude. Like, I would say for me,
0: like, when you so... I like how you talk about, like, him being the antagonist for, like, the the show. Because, you know... He's a late arrival, in a sense, because mm-hmm. I don't know that they were figuring out, like, a real antagonist to show outside of, like, oh, maybe Jimmy, Howard at times, Jimmy, and Jimmy, like, Jimmy, yeah, they're playing with of, like, the antagonist. Jimmy's the pro-antagonist. But then I think they realized, like, oh, you know what, like, you know, Walter White was, like, our protagonist antagonist of, like, the last series. Maybe we've got to differentiate themselves. And to their credit, they did. Like, Lalo kind of doubled as an antagonist for a couple of, reasons cuz not only was he the antagonist against uh you know Jimmy and and Kim at some point and mm-hmm. and but also he was up against Gus and yeah. you know now that they they really put the the Salamanca uh rivalry uh against the the Fring operation um in the front seat and I thought that was you know, that's where we get, like, that extra bit of backstory and everything. That's where I felt like, at, at, at a point, the show had kind of taken a a departure and, and further cemented itself into, um, like, really exploring the characters from Breaking Bad and, like, yeah. that storyline. And, you know, that's like you said, like, maybe that was something that they wanted to address, like, because of the name drop and everything in, in Saul's introductory episode, which was fine. Um, I mean, we got Nacho, you know, and, and he's been here since, like, the very first season. Pretty much. Um, but, like, you if I look at, like, the seasons, like, overall, like, the first season is very different from, like, the final season. Oh, yeah. You know, even season two, it's just, like, sometimes I forget, like, the events from the first two seasons. Like, like thinking about it, like, I would say maybe they start becoming a little more similar, like, from about, like, three or four. Right, um, right. Like, right. Tor- toward... The latter. I'm actually looking at like the episode list. Like, apparently, like the very first episode aired at like with 6.8 million viewers, and by the end of it, you know, they averaged maybe a little over like a million and a quarter. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like that's the thing for like most TV. Like, there's always a big drop off, and you know, like that million is still like that's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, it's
1: crazy when I hear these numbers, and then I think back to like the walking dead in its prime was like consistently week to week pulling in like 15, 16 million viewers. Oh my God. I know. it's like, you, you hear that stuff and you're just like, like, uh, HBO just had its biggest, uh, premiere oh. of a series ever with house of dragon at 10 million viewers. I, I was going to say, still, I took a screenshot of the, it today. That is still chump change when the walking dead was in its prime. It had so many people watching it. I was gonna say the House of Dragon, the Dragon yet largest
0: premiere in the history in of HBO. Whereas this is funny, this other piece of news I wanted to share with you uh, outside of the podcast, but I'll do it here. Like while the Sandman has had like a lot of viewership on Netflix, uh, apparently it may not be enough to warrant a second season. I, I did see that, I'm a and little I'm,
1: like, I'm a little disappointed. Um, yeah. I, I have been reading the comics so I can be one of those people like, "Mm, I read the comics. Um, Asshole. (laughs) But um, it just goes to show sometimes uh,
0: numbers are a very interesting game. Um, But, you know, going back to the topic of, of Lalo, Mm -hmm. will I say, I don't know that I found him like the most incredible antagonist ever. I think he was fun. I think he was creative, um, and I think he definitely disrupted the the cast as it, as they were. Um, but am I glad that he's gone? Fuck yeah,
1: I am. Oh, oh yeah, and and it's kind I of annoying could... at some points. <laughs> no, I I liked him all the way through though. Um, just kind of watching him plan stuff and and plot behind the scenes and just. Tony Dalton's just a, a charismatic actor to follow. Um, I can't wait. Oh yeah, till, you know,
0: for a hundred thousand percent,
1: I can't wait for his spinoff series, Lalo's uh, La La Land. Lalo's La La Land. <laughs> musical. It's about his his his
0: one his one trip to Los Angeles. Yeah, I was going to say we, it's, on, it's, in the it's just, season.
1: It's just La La Land, but we replace Tony <laughs> Dalton. We put Tony Dalton in the role of. Ready for Emma Stone? Emma Stone. No. Yes, <laughs> fantastic. All right. Who says we don't have good ideas?
0: Just, just set us up at the at Hollywood's biggest writers' room.
1: <laughs> but um, there's so much stuff about this show that I feel like I could talk for another like three hours about just every aspect of it. The the use of color, how. Everything with Gene Takovic is in black and white, and then we get that one moment when Marion, played by uh, the indelible uh, Carol Burnett, um, when she sees when she's watching his commercials on like YouTube, and he opens up the the computer to see it, and you get the the shot. I mean, like everyone talked about it when they saw it, but the black and white, and the color of the, the screen reflected in his glasses was such a great moment. Yeah,
0: dude, I actually really enjoyed like how they, like, it's a great way of kind of keeping the consistency of like, you know, the timeline and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Like it's, and it's their way of playing with that. And that's what I liked from the inception of the show that like, wow, like, you know, this, all this flash forward Mm -hmm. is, is our, you know, our nice glimpse into the world that's happening and then you know we start getting serious after gene's hospital visit and then he's like oh you know enough is enough or uh, right, whatever right. the hell he says and we get like the, all these great orchestrated bits in like the last season and and but not only do we get these incredible you know black and white things because before it's kind of dull you know before it was like all right it's the mall like there's not the opportunity for like a lot of great textures outside of the dough, and like, you know, and there's not like great use of like dynamic lighting, um, mm-hmm. to you know, to really like kind of grab you your attention with black and white. Cause I feel like that's that's something that, you know, the way that they light black and white, the way that they light, you know, color scenes can be very different. Because with black and white, like things can be like really striking, and we fight, we get that at the very end, dude.
1: We yeah, and everybody's looking at the shot, it's very noir, so you know, it's I very cinematic. Like, I feel like. In the scenes in the episodes leading up to the finale, uh, it's almost like the the vibrancy of Jimmy's world has been drained away. Now mm-hmm. that he's living as Gene Takovic. it's a boring life, and so it's a, it's kind of a dull palette. It's representative of that, yeah. And then, but once he embraces who he is uh, at the very end of the finale, once he finally embraces that he is slipping Jimmy, that's who he's been. He's Jimmy McGill. They really make the most of of that noir look, the the deep shadows and the the light that just cuts through everything. And... and
0: but also like the textures, they're so like oh dude, like they're they're nice and sharp and everything. You're really seeing like all the details, like and they're all completely devoid of color, but it doesn't matter because like you can you can almost you can still feel them, dude. Yeah, like, it's... fantastic,
1: and. I mean that that shot of him and Kim in the interrogation room, uh in the visitation room I should say, uh mimicking, mirroring that the scene of them in the first episode
0: yeah. sharing
1: the cigarette. I mean, it's just and you know what I love about the whole thing is from the moment that people start recognizing him on the bus on the way to this this prison, the, the Alcatraz of the Rockies and they all realize who he is and they all start chanting for him. And you go, you know what? He's gonna be okay. He's gonna, he's, not only is he gonna That's be That's 87 like, he's, years of, like, bliss. He is, he is going to <laughs> run that place. He is going to be a king among kings in that prison. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? As crazy as it sounds, he got a happy ending.
0: Yeah. And, you know, needless to say, like, That's,
1: Saul gone, Saul gone. What a great name for like the final episode. I know, yeah. Someone give Vince another award. It's been ten minutes. I is this final season? Did like the Emmy nominations
0: come out too late before this season could like? I don't. I I don't remember. I feel like I gotta I gotta look it up a little bit because I know they just at this there was just an award show that came by recently that everybody was getting awards for this show.
1: Everybody, and they're like you, you guy on the street, cameraman, you want an award? Here's an award. Take it. It's yours. And uh, you know, like tell them the Emmy sent you. And and
0: that's the thing. Like I I don't know. I feel like every year that this show has been on air, like while it's been recognized, like in certain degrees, that it really. Now is a better time to appreciate it than, than ever. Be, just because, I don't know, the rest of television this last year wasn't that great. I don't know. Yeah. There were a couple of Marvel shows. They were all right. But this was definitely, hands down, one of the best programs to have grace television. Yeah. And even streaming. Like, if you look at, like, their track record, even on Rotten Tomatoes, every season, since season 97, 97, 98, 99, 99, 99.
1: 99 through, yeah. It's, it's like, nuts.
0: come on. What, like, would name another program that has the same level of consistency? I cannot.
1: I know you can't. I fucking know you couldn't. (laughs) Are you kidding me? But it's, uh, yeah, just... Better Call Saul. Just start to finish. In many ways, better than Breaking Bad. Um, and it's just, you know, it's crazy that... just different enough to warrant its own existence. And, you know, if this is the way that the, the Breaking Bad... Meth verse <laughs> ends. Um, it went out. It went out in in a spectacular fashion. Yeah. And um, I would just say if you haven't watched it and you're still listening, uh, go watch it. Do yourself the biggest favor. And um, I don't know. I I think that's all I got for right now. That you know. I hope we get to revisit some of these thoughts soon again.
0: If we end up covering uh, Breaking Bad or, you know, El Camino, El Camino would be, I don't know, a really interesting one, I think. Yeah. Just because, like, it it was so unexpected that, like, mm-hmm. you know... I don't know. It was, like... It, it was, in, in a sense, more unexpected than Better Call Saul was. So, you know, who's... Either way, I am... I am so happy with with the ending that we it's it's been a while since we've had a solid
1: ending to to a television show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um and listen, we got a lot of exciting television ahead of us now. Uh, you know, House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, Andor, Shulk from Xenoblade Chronicles. Um well, she, that's not she, a that's Oh, She-Hulk. Uh, She-Hulk. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um yeah just uh we 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 aren't lacking for things to talk about and what did I see is coming out knives out uh glass onion December 23rd of this year and they, they they gave a the first look is a picture with all the actors at a table together I know maybe one day we'll get more Ryan Johnson
0: Star Wars maybe but not today
1: maybe we'll review knives out before. Glass Onion comes out. Who can say? Wait, who's to say we don't also review
0: Avatar, a theatrical experience before Ooh, getting everybody before. ready for the Jungleman? There's a, there's a lot of
1: uh, there's a lot of you know <laughs> hanging over us right now, guys. Oh, it's an exciting time. I'm excited. I'm frightened for the future. I just don't want a plastic bag put over my head. I just need to call my
0: lawyer. Well Zach, I have a phone number for you. 55-55555. Extension five 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 five, five five. Thank I've... you, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of Scripture Screen. We are your hosts. I'm Chris, that's Zach. You can find Scripture Screen on our website www.scripturescreen.com or anchor.fm forward slash scripture screen. There are all of our past, present, and future episodes available for your listening pleasure. Find us on social media at scriptorscreen, and we will
1: see you next time. The prosecution rests. Bye.